everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes, thank you so much. We do have a request though before we get started. If you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 343, yeah. a themed episode. Yeah, themed episodes are where we get a chance to uh, talk about, you know, one specific topic about reselling for a good amount of time. So if you're new to Pierce Podcast, we kind of have a structure where we have uh, Monday mini episodes. Every Monday, we release a short 10 to 15 minute episode where we talk about something, uh, and that's only on YouTube. So it's YouTube exclusive. So if you're not listening or watching on YouTube, go on over, hit subscribe so you don't miss those monday minis and then every wednesday we have either an update episode or a themed episode so today we're talking about something that a lot of you might be uh wanting to learn some of these things and that is uh what are things that that you might not know as a new reseller now i want to throw it out there this will be a basic episode meaning not in a bad way as the kids say basic but basic in the sense that this might be something if you've been reselling for a long time you you may know all of these things but, you know, in the Discord, we have a lot of new sellers that jump on the Discord and they ask questions and and they've even I've even had DMs on Instagram like, hey, it would be great if you kind of started going back to just the basics of starting on eBay. And I think that's valid because, you know, Mike and I were 340 plus episodes and we kind of get in this place that we expect everybody to be on the same level yeah. as far as it comes to reselling. So we talk about certain things. I'm pretty sure they go over a lot of new sellers heads. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, um, and there's nothing wrong with that because that's one of the ways, you know, new resellers kind of learn is jumping in the, the deep end. Uh, but even if you're an experienced reseller, you know, some of these things um, might be things you're like, yes, like remembering the foundations, going back to the basics. And then also um, maybe we miss something. So please don't just skip this episode. If you're an experienced reseller, um, we probably have some cool stories we're going to throw in here. Some, uh, we always have our hustle of the week, but let us know in the comments below. Maybe there's something else that, that you would think would be a helpful tip or trick or just something that new resellers might not know and need to know. Yeah. So the very first one, it's so basic, but it takes me back to my early days when I was a teacher and I would get textbooks at conferences and I would sell them. And I sold them via Amazon, sold them via eBay, but I never printed the labels from the platform. I actually would find some random envelope at the dollar store, yep. write the address like like on a on a whatever a paper or something uh-huh. and tape it onto I mean this is early days okay write the address on there and then I'd go to the post office and wait in line wait in line ugh and I would pay some crazy amount because if you're new and you it, most of you have probably picked this up but what the post office charges and what eBay and Amazon charge are different worlds and the more you sell so if you become a top rated seller and you become, you know, I don't know what how they scale it, but, you know, you can get certain discounts. So, for example, I get on FedEx, uh, I, I believe it's next day or it's 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 whatever one of the FedEx. I think maybe it might be home, FedEx home. I get 50 percent off right on, on UPS ground. I get 35 percent off. Right. And it depends where you're at. If you have a store, if you're a top rated seller, but. If you're new and you're still doing the whole like you're going and waiting in line at the post office, you're losing hours out of your life right now. I strongly encourage you to go to this next thing we're going to talk about here, but I strongly encourage you to 
get 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 away to print labels at home and just take care of it. So then you can just show up at the post office. You're not waiting in line or UPS or FedEx. Yeah, that's kind of the progression. I feel like a lot of people it's waiting in line. Then I use the uh, kiosk there at the at the USPS. Mm. Um, and then that was, I remember that I felt like that was like a game changer. Like, man, I don't have to wait in line. I just put in the stuff. Um, but then yeah, doing it at home, that, that, that's even bigger. So the next thing, and this kind of goes along with printing labels at home is you want to get a thermal printer as quickly as you can. If you are, if, if this is something you're going to do often, you're going to be selling quite a few things. Thermal printer is absolutely one of the the tools that I would say it's worth spending the money on. There's not, there's a lot of things you can spend money on as a reseller that may make like a little bit of a difference here, a little bit of a difference there. But a thermal printer is one of the ones that's going to be a game changer for you. Cause if you're still using ink cartridges or laser printers, I was doing that for a long time, three years of the yeah. podcast. Yeah. I was, and I was trying to convince you to move over to the thermal. <laughs> and it wasn't until college picker shipped out. Remember it went in two stages. Yeah. Yep. Right, so let, let me like, do my laser. Go for it. So, I, I, this is like the oldies of podcasts. Me interrupting Mike. Sorry. So, I was using an ink printer for so long, and the only reason is because I picked it up for super cheap at a thrift store for like five bucks, and I got a bunch of free ink with it. So I had a good amount. So I wasn't really paying much. But then you know I started running out of the ink, and then I started buying the ink. And I actually was doing the whole printing on paper and using scissors and cutting it with scissors. And then taping it on. And then taping it on. Oh, my gosh. Right. But OK. But when you're new, you don't know. Yep. Right. You don't know. And then I remember Eric, uh, the college picker, you should follow him on Instagram. Awesome guy. Been reselling longer than we have. Has a great YouTube channel. He just he just DM me. He's like, Orlando, I'm getting you a laser printer. So he found one at the thrift. And he shipped it to me for free and he gave it to me. And then I started using that and I upscaled to from cutting things with scissors to buying the eight by 11 papers that had two labels on it that were sticky on one side. And I went to that. And then <laughs> finally college picker, uh, he dropped some video on like some, Oh, he dropped it on Instagram that there was a really cheap thermal label printer. Cause you don't know Rolo is just expensive cause it says Rolo on it. And and Mike might disagree. I don't know, but I I I and I've I've bought the the private label models on there. There's a Wi-Fi one and a UB uh, and a USB one, and then uh, I got one for like fifty bucks. I remember there was a deal, changed my life, changed my life. It was a USB one, and you save so much money because you're not paying for ink, and it always you know it, as as long as you provide the thermal label paper you're going to be golden. Yeah. And the nice thing is, um, so if you don't know, these these are very small, they're compact. And um, I mean, you, I'm sure you can get larger ones, but but the ones for the labels are very small. Think of uh, like a four by six style, like picture going through or something small like that. Uh, so like the typical labels that are going to be on packages that you get that size. And you can buy thousands of labels in big bulk amounts. And you're paying sometimes a penny or less per label, sometimes a little more depending on how many you're buying. Uh, but they just stack up and you can there's the the thermal printers are so quick so fast uh and you can batch print you know if you if you're shipping out 20 things you, you just set it up through ebay print labels and it will print all 20 of them within like a second they just brrr, they just come right out they're already printed perfectly look very professional and that's one nice thing too is it really it, it levels up the the presentation of what somebody's getting because it looks like hey it's a professional a label as opposed to just handwritten or something taped on there. Uh, and so it's cheap, it's fast, and it's really inexpensive 
for what it is that you're getting. You're, you are over time going to save a ton of money getting a thermal printer and not like a long period of time before you get to that break even point. Like Orlando said, you can get some, uh, you know, third party off brand ones for 50 bucks ish, or you can, you know, spend a couple hundred bucks and get a name brand one. There's a few of them. There's zebra, there's mm -hmm. Rolo, there's very, zebras ones. are really good. Yep. If you can find one use. Definitely pick it yeah, up. So there's there's good ones. And so, yeah, they're they're great. They're small. I, Orlando, for a long time, was literally packing his printer into... <laughs> the big HP printer. A big printer into a, a suitcase that when he would travel and resell, he'd have this printer. I'm like, Orlando, uh, 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 these ones are like the, like the size of like, I don't know, like smaller than a football for everything. That was so crazy. You should be I, bringing I, this. I still... It was a carry-on. Yeah. It was the size of a carry-on. Oh. Then I remember when I went to the label, a thermal label printer changed everything mm. that was silly see i should listen to mike more often <laughs> there's a lot of things like that but that's okay orlando I'm, <laughs> i mean you know sometimes it takes another person sometimes you're too close to somebody you don't necessarily like you know take their advice right away it's like your kids you know like when you tell your kids <laughs> things um and and they just one day they're like dad guess what are you calling me I your learned, kid no no but but th this concept though they're like did you know? And they tell you something that you've been telling oh, me yeah, for yeah, years yeah. and you're like, it happens as a teacher. I'm glad. All the time. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. So-and-so taught me this. My coach taught me. And I'm like, yeah, I've been trying to teach you that for yep. years, but I'm glad it finally clicked. Right. So that's true. Sometimes you need that third party. I yeah. mean, that's what Eric was. Yeah, And we could be that for you as Pure Soul Podcast. Sometimes we might be that like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> Mike and Orlando said it's a good idea. And, and I love my thermal printer. I love it. I still got the old USB, but it's nice because if my Wi-Fi goes down, I can still connect it to my MacBook as long as I have my MacBook with hotspot with my phone. And it works. Yeah, you there know? you go. All right. So this one is, we get questions about this and I, I don't know why. I, I think it's maybe just because like and people aren't thinking about best offer, right? You don't usually buy stuff with the best offer, right? I don't go to target.com or Walmart or Amazon and get the opportunity to offer. Mm. But eBay really likes it when you offer offers when you offer offers yeah when you offer offers on your listing uh because one it, it'll put you higher in the algorithm according to what they said and two it allows you to move things faster right so there might be something you have for 50 bucks but the person really would probably want want it for 45 and if you have that allow offer they can send you the 45 and you'll make that sale now, did you start with best offer on everything in the beginning? No, in the very beginning. Well, once we started the podcast, it was probably really quick. Um, maybe even before our first episode, you'd kind of walk me through a few things. But before we started the podcast, I had sold a handful of things on eBay because um, I was kind of like getting prepared for like, hey, well, let's you're going to teach me this reselling thing. Let me figure out eBay a little bit on my own. And I just did auctions for everything. So, and and you can even have like did buy you really it now. In the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Um, I know we've talked about it long. Well, time let's ago, let's land there a little bit. So, why why did you move from auctions to buy it now? Well, because I I didn't know any better at first that that buy it now was even like the way eBay was kind of working. Um, I I had just the last I had done eBay. Um, I had sold a couple of things like right out of high school. I was trying to do a couple of garage sales. I thought I thought it sounded fun. I never ended up being successful at it. Um, like I said, maybe three things total that I sold. I think I picked them up at a dollar store and I sold them for like five bucks on eBay. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, I'm doing this. And I was like, this is a waste. Um, and so that never worked out. And then my mom and dad bought a bunch of stuff on eBay and it was always auctions. And it was like when I was like junior high. So to me, eBay was, you just, you do auctions. And so that was just what I thought eBay was. And that's how I was going to sell things. So it wasn't until afterwards, like I would be like, look, Orlando, what I sold, I sold this for this. And you're like, oh, okay. Like you did that auction. I'm like, yeah. 
And I go, oh, you know, you could, and you had to tell me and I'm like, oh really? And then I, it took a little bit for me to go, oh, I guess that's how eBay works now. I don't need to do auctions. And so, yeah, so moving to a, a buy it now with offer and it, doing that does a couple of things. One is your item is there longer. I mean, there's a lot of things I'm, I, I consider buying on eBay, but if it's an auction, a lot of times I just skip it because I'm like, look, maybe the price is good right now, but I'm not going to wait eight days to see mm-hmm. if this thing is going to close at a price I want it at. Like there's one that's like about the price I'd be okay with. So I'm just going to do that one because I could buy it now mm-hmm. as opposed to wait and hopefully this one doesn't get bid up higher. So it's as a buyer, I prefer buy it now. And the cool thing with allowing best offers is it's that psychological thing potentially too. So not only is it helping you in the algorithm because eBay wants to see you moving things, but if somebody wants to buy something and you've got it up for $50, but in your mind, you're like, I would, I would take $40 for this. Sure. And somebody offers you $43 and you're like, sweet. And you take it, you're happy. The person who's buying it's thinking they're getting a killer deal. Mm -hmm. So everybody ends up being happier as opposed to that person might be like, I'm not paying 50 bucks for this, but I'll pay 45. Mm -hmm. And so you might be opening yourself up to a larger audience of uh, potential buyers because some people are, are, they're only going to buy things if they get the deal. And so there's other things you can do too. And we'll talk about some of those, but offers is one of those things that just not only just in the algorithm itself, but the psychological aspect for buyers to think that, Hey, I can potentially get a deal on this item. Hey, and by the way, as we're recording, if you want to put in the comments on YouTube, you know, something that you think new sellers should know that you didn't know when you started. Right, because I'm sure there's plenty. We might make this a two-part episode, right? We might have part one and then part two. Yeah, maybe. Uh, game, so. Um, so next one is you, you never oh, you never want to do any kind of communication with a buyer outside of eBay, especially once the transaction has started. Now, maybe you found somebody on Instagram, you posted something and they messaged you on Instagram and it's up on eBay and you tell them like, you know, Hey, you know, if you want to buy it, you know, you could do it this way. It's also a listing on eBay. You can go over to eBay. So there are chances that you might have already communicated with a buyer before they start an eBay purchase. But once somebody's on eBay, especially if you're new, if you have any buyers who are like, hey, um, here's my cell phone number. Um, I'm really interested in this item. It's so cool. Uh, Send me like, just give me a call. I'd love to talk to you about it. Don't do it. Even that, even getting a message like that, your response needs to be, um, thank you so much. I appreciate your interest in my offer. Uh, however, um, you're, we're going to have to do all communications through eBay. If you're interested in the, the, the product, you know, you could purchase it through eBay. Um, if you'd like to send me an offer, you can do that as well. Because if eBay sees that you are potentially using eBay to then move communication offside of eBay, as far as they're concerned, you're stealing money from them. You've used their platform to get an eye on your product. And then you're going to move that sell off the platforms that you could get you know, maybe lower fees or, you know, you're not dealing with all that. So you're taking money from their pocket. So eBay is going to punish you for that. that they will not, suspend you. It is not a good thing. So you want to as, as clearly and as quickly as possible, be clear that you will not do any communication. So don't be the one to offer it and don't be the one to accept an offer. If someone's like, Hey, let me know. Cause again, that could be somebody who's maybe they're not even trying to scam you. Maybe they know like, Hey, this is a $500 thing. I know shipping, you know, you're going to have to give eBay some money, but I can maybe get a a deal if we work outside the platform. Don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth your account. Yeah, it's a dangerous game. I just had somebody message me. They didn't even buy anything. They just said, hey, I'd like to buy up all of your whatever it is. You know, send the detail list to me at this address. Mm. I I didn't even respond because the, the, the danger is even if 
even if you know you weren't intending to do anything nefarious, if you respond and the algorithm somehow picks that up, you could get automatically suspended and you don't want to have to deal with that problem. And some people are pretty bold. You know, they'll do the whole, you know, I like to buy this item, contact me, and then they'll put, you know, like on Craigslist, how people put the yep. numbers yep. and they put words between the numbers. You just, you just got to be careful. Yeah, don't do it. Don't play that game. All right. Hey, before we move on, if you're a new seller, here's something that you may not know about, that there is software out there to help you do your bookkeeping. Mm, Bookkeeping to me is the worst part of reselling. It's the one thing I wish I never had to do, but it's something you have to do, especially if you're going to go full time, especially if you want to, you know, be in line with (laughs) the law. So uh, if you haven't yet, check out my reseller genie. A lot of you have signed up and, uh, you know, appreciate all of you uh, using our link and using that 15% off for the first month. If you haven't yet, go to my reseller genie in the link below. Use our promo code Pure Hustle, all caps. It'll give you 15% off the first month. It'll help you keep track of your profit and losses, how much you know you're paying for your inventory and, and what it's selling for. It'll import all your eBay data from last year in, in case you know you're stressing about your taxes. It'll import the data now in real time. And so definitely check out my reseller genie. Go to the link below. Use a promo code Pure Hustle all in caps. Yeah. All right. Now, this one I'm interested in what you think here. Do you think comps are enough? Um, you mean just looking up sold comps? Yeah. Well, uh, the first thing, if you're brand new, you have to look up what things sold for. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like 101. So be very careful looking up what things are listed for. Um, that's the big mistake people make when you go to a garage sale. And I like, started well, doing sells, that in the beginning. This sells for uh, $800 on eBay. And you pulled up and there's somebody who's got one listed for eight, that beanie baby listed for $800 on eBay. <laughs> and then you click on sold and three of them have sold for $2. Okay. Yeah. So there's a very div- big difference between asking a price and uh, actual price market value, what people are willing to pay for it. Uh, so this, when we say comps, uh, you get that the ability on eBay to look at what has items have sold for. Now, I know this is very basic for some of you or most of you. This is... But ultra basic, but, but you do need to look. So going back to Orlando's question is, is our comps enough? And the answer is no, because there are so many other factors. Now, the sold comps is a major factor. It is going to be one of the biggest key factors. If I see two or three sold comps, especially if they're recent, and that's one of the, the other elements you got to pay attention to is how long ago were these comps? If you see some sold comps that are very high, you see an item at a, a garage sale, the person is asking $5 for it. And you see that these things are selling for $300 on eBay. These are major green flags. This is like, yes, this is good. This is good. Now, is that enough information? No, it's probably, you know, 80% of the information that you need most of the time, but there are other bits of information, right? Like, okay, when did these sell? Okay. Cause maybe it's a seasonal thing. Maybe it's like, okay, now I have some more data. This tends to sell around Christmas time. It was Christmas time or as a sports team. And they were just, you know, that had a good successful year or something, you know, something like that could affect it. But even more than that is how many items are listed. Now you don't always have to spend tons of time looking at how many active listings there are for something. But one of the things you should do is look, are there active listings? Because if, if three of these sold for $300, and then now there are thousands of them listed on eBay and the price keeps dropping, 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 and no one's buying. Maybe those three that sold were a fluke. Maybe something happened and there just wasn't unlisted. Now that people see they sell for that much, they're listing theirs and now the market's flooded. And so what potentially could have been a big sale, it's like, well, you know, think of like the the fingerling examples we give, you know, like where oh, something yes. was worth it at one point, And then as the market gets flooded, as it's no longer maybe a rare commodity, 
the value is going to potentially drop. So there are many other factors besides just sold comps. Now, sold comps is going to be one of, if not the biggest factor, but things like sell-through rate, how many listings are available, those things are going to make a, a difference as well. Yeah. And also, you know, take a look at, like you said, Terapeak, right? So we'll talk about this later, but if you have an eBay store, you have access to this tool on eBay called Terapeak and it gives you sales data for the last two years, right? So there may have been some recent solds, but you may be picking things up at the end of the season, right? And then they're going to be stuck for another year. Now I will say with your example, if somebody something is $5 and it sells for 300, I may still pick up for five bucks, right? Oh yeah. It's still, sure. Cause you know, even though the sell through isn't great, if it's not tying up a lot of capital and you're willing to wait on five dollars, maybe worth picking up. Yeah. And you could still be that competitive one if everybody's still listing them for three hundred and none of them are selling now. Maybe it'll go at a hundred. Yeah. You know, so it's still that's still a very useful thing. But that'll let you know even when you're pricing things is uh, not just the sold, but but those other other factors as well. But if it's a five dollar item that's selling for like thirty or forty, super risky. If it, if you're paying fifty for an item and it's selling for a hundred really risky. Like you don't want to play that game. Sell through rate is, is really important. Now, again, sell through isn't the end all because sometimes there are certain items that are very, very niche and, or very specialized and it's just going to take some time for it to sell. But if you're new, you don't want to get stuck with a bunch of items with terrible sell through rates because then it's just going to pull your whole store down. And it's going to slow everything down. Now, this is a tough one, especially for new sellers, because you know, you're a new seller, you're just learning how to ship. Right. You're just learning how to make listings. You're, you're, you know, you got your thermal printer. <laughs> like there's all these beginning steps and it feels really good when you make those first sales. Right. You have that money and you're like, wow, I really enjoy this money. I never want to do returns ever because I don't want to lose this money. And so you end up in this mindset that returns are just going to hurt me. That if I open up the door to returns, I'm going to lose a ton of money. Everything's going to get returned and so on. But the reality is returns actually will work to your benefit. So let me explain and then we'll see if Mike agrees with me. So offering returns, and I'm not saying free returns. I do free returns because it gives me the ultimate, I guess, power play. If I have a really bad buyer that is trying to cause me trouble, eBay will pretty much, I've never had eBay not side with me because I always offer free returns. No matter what the buyer says, the buyer says it's broken. The buyer says it wasn't as described. The buyer says, you know, whatever shadiness, it was fake, whatever. Or I just changed my mind. Or I just changed whatever the buyer says. And if they leave me a negative feedback, this just happened to me just now. Uh, somebody just left me a negative feedback. They didn't contact me. They didn't say anything. I contacted them. I say, hey, I offer free returns. You're welcome to return it. They got crickets. When I called eBay and I said, you know, this person says this item was broken. I don't know what happened. Maybe a broken shipping, but I do offer free returns. And the first thing the rep said is, well, you do offer free returns. And they had the opportunity to get their money back if they wanted it. They obviously were okay with the item. The negative feedback isn't fair and they removed it. Yeah, right. Very good. So free returns protects you because if you ever get in a situation that somebody's not happy with an item, Instead of them leaving you negative feedback, right, you can message them and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry you're not happy with this item. You're welcome to return it. And here's the link. Yeah. Right. And, and then the other side of it is eBay has said they will boost you higher in the algorithm if you offer returns. And if you want to be a top rated plus and you want to you know, get all those perks, free returns definitely helps you. Yeah. So, yeah, I, a return 
turning on returns was one of the things that was uh, a challenge for me. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until we went to eBay Open and we heard the seller protection and the requirements for seller protection, and it was you know top rated seller and free return or not free returns, but offering returns, thirty day returns. And it doesn't need to be free returns in order to get the protections. Now there there may be some behind the scenes other protections that they provide, but I don't know that for sure. What we do know is if you offer returns, you get those seller protections. And the fear, like Orlando said, is that if I open up the door for returns, then, you know, probably 70, 80 percent of the things that I sell, people are going to be returning and it's just going to it's going to kill me. And that's simply not the case. And the reality is buyers aren't stupid, right? They know, hey, whether or not this person accepts returns, if they don't accept returns, all I have to do really is INAD them. I just complain that this item isn't, mm-hmm. even if it, it didn't fit, this this is not the right size. They they were wrong about the sizing of these shoes or, or whatever the situation happens to be. And when they INAD you, you're doing a return, whether or not you offer returns or you're doing a refund, right? You will be giving them their money back. So at that point, it's like you might as well offer the returns because if a buyer wanted to, they will figure out a way to get their money back on that item mm-hmm. and to send it back to you, maybe. eBay has that money back guarantee That's right. that they can just do force a return if they want. That's right. So you're really not changing much other than you're telling the buyer, hey, this is something I do. And the reality is that could potentially increase your sales. So you may end up with 5% of your items return now. And maybe, maybe, maybe before you had fewer items than that returning. However, you potentially could be getting 10, 15, 20% more sales, not just again, because of the algorithm, which is a real thing that, that, that could happen. But beyond that is buyer confidence. If I'm buying something and it was the very first time I remember really thinking about like, oh yeah, like this makes a difference is we were buying some equipment for the podcast. And I showed, I sent Orlando a couple listings. It's like, oh, this might work and this might work. And his response was, uh, well, that one doesn't offer returns. Let's do this one. And it was a little bit more expensive. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes makes sense, right? Like, yeah, we're buying it used. What if it doesn't work? Like, this isn't like an eight hundred dollar item, and we're getting it for a pretty decent deal. But if it didn't work, like, that would be terrible to spend mm-hmm. five six hundred dollars on a piece of equipment and and it doesn't work. So we went with the one that was slightly more expensive, but they offered returns, free returns, because we knew, hey, this is a person who believes in their product, and if it happens to not work, which I'm going to test it, I can send it back. And so you may end up with some more returns. You, you might have more returns happening, but if you have way more sales because your buyers have more confidence in your items, that's going to make up for whatever yep. loss you have. So it, it's, it's really one of those things where it sucks that we're in a society when you're the seller that you have to do that, where you have to offer returns or they can almost control you by lying and manipulating. But let's be honest, as the buyers, that really does give us confidence and it makes mm-hmm. us want to purchase more things. So we do benefit from things like returns and companies like I would rather shop at Costco than other places or even Amazon than other places because I know that they they back their products. And if there's something wrong, they will take it back. And so this is why I go to Costco yep. all the time. I won't buy any electronic outside of Costco. Speaking of which, man, going to Waco, there's no Costco. It's how, Sam's Club. How far is the closest one? It's like an hour and a half, two hours. Ooh, I that's know. Painful. I oh, know. Man. So sad. All right. Well, maybe, you know, maybe you'll find the goodness of Sam's Club. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe. All right. Hey, so this next one, like you really will never know because it's not an eBay. This is an outside of eBay thing. So there's this whole website called Pirate Ship, yes. pirateship.com. 
And uh, we Arr. bring it up sometimes on here, but you know, and there's whole stuff on YouTube, but reality is unless you come across an episode or you see something on YouTube, you really don't know about pirate ship. I can't tell you how many times I've been at the post office actually in the last couple months and there's new sellers that come in and I don't know. Oh, they asked me like, where'd you get your labels and blah, blah. blah. And somehow uh-huh. we, I end up saying, Hey, you should go to pirate ship because pirate ship.com will give you a great deal. Now, Pirateship.com, the best tool on there is they have this thing called box in a bag. Okay, so what that means is you're shipping something out priority and you could ship it out in a box, but it's actually cheaper if you're able to get a bigger poly mailer and you're able to put that box in that poly mailer and it'll ship for less. Okay, so if you're wondering what that looks like, just go over Pirateship.com. You're obviously going to have to open an account. It syncs with eBay. So if you ever need to ship something, you should see how much it's on eBay first and then check out Pirate Ship if you do the box in a bag. And wh- what you, you do is you, you'll put in the dimensions. It's just going to ask you for a one less dimension because it's in a it's in a bag. It's only going to ask, you, I think, I don't know, length and width. I can't remember what it is and the weight. And then you can save yourself a lot of money. For example, I sometimes will use box in a bag and instead of paying $15 for shipping, I'm paying only nine dollars because it's using cubic rate. So definitely check out Pirate Ship. Even even so, it like let's say you're new and you're not top rated seller, you may get better deals using UPS or FedEx. I don't know if they do FedEx. I know for sure UPS over on PirateShip.com. So don't sleep on Pirate Ship. It's a great deal, and I know there's a lot of companies out there that give you even better shipping deals. The reason I don't go to those, because we get DMs all the time, like, hey, Mike and Orlando, you guys should really use this company, blah, blah, blah. You know, I have a special account. The reason I don't use those is that if you use Pirate Ship, you still get eBay seller protections because it's synced with eBay, right? And if you end up shipping outside uh, with another company and it's just like printing, you know, from anywhere else, you don't get those seller protections. That's the one thing we didn't talk about. When you print labels like via Amazon or eBay, right. the seller protections are there. So, for example, on eBay, if you ship priority and you're a top rated seller, you automatically get automatically get a hundred dollars insurance. Now, the other thing I was going to mention uh, about uh, pirate ship and and using pirate ship effectively is that sometimes uh, with pirate ship, you may be able to ship things internationally at a cheaper price than if you're doing on eBay. Cause sometimes people on eBay don't want to do the eBay international delivery. And they may say, Hey, is there a way to ship it without this? Because there's a, there's a lot of import fees at eBay charges. There's a lot of customs fees. And so eBay has this thing called, I mean, eBay pirate ship has this thing called simple export. And it's the same thing as eBay's international delivery. It goes to a hub and it ships out from the hub and they offer seller protections. And, and a lot of times it may be cheaper than what eBay is offering. And so you may still be able to get that sale internationally because people are willing to pay less if you do pirate ship, simple export. So anything you want to add to this uh, pirate ship stuff here? No, I mean, I think pirate ship is great. And we even talked, you know, about other shipping, doing the labels at home and buying through eBay, doing pirate ship, learning to go outside. And it's just the very first time I went into a UPS store to ship something that I sold on eBay, I, I was like, I can't do this. I tried, I, it was like a, a piece of audio equipment and they wanted like $60 to ship it. And I'm like, I sold this for $60. 
like with like $15 shipping. Yeah. Like, there's no way I can't do this. And and once I learned about these types of things and being able to buy on eBay and buy through pirate ship and realizing, oh, I can ship these things for significantly cheaper and you're actually profitable. And pirate ship has been definitely a game changer for us. Yeah, agreed. Yep. Agreed. All right. Now, uh, before I move on to our most anticipated part of the show, I just want to share with you guys. Thank you. All of you that have helped us out uh, via Patreon. Isn't this, this is one of the pieces, right? This was like yeah. the piece, the $800 piece. I don't know our mixer. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, for example, we're going to have to use two of these now because Mike will be in another part of the country. And That's so right. those of you have been helping us, on, helping us on Patreon, you know, the, the money that you put into Patreon definitely helps us get new equipment. Mike's going to have to get new lights. We're, we have to double what we have right. to continue the podcast. So if you haven't yet, you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash Pierce podcast for five fifty five a month. It'll, it'll get you in the door into Patreon and also open the door to our discord, uh, which is a thriving community of resellers. All kinds from vintage sellers to Amazon sellers to people that source at Ross and Burlington, just a great wealth of knowledge. And what I like about and maybe there's other positive discords, but ours is uber positive. Yeah. Like very rare do we have people that are negative. And if it gets too negative, Mike and I will come in there and and I say, hey, you know, let's uh, let's see focus. Let's be yeah. focused. So, so if you haven't jumped on over help, uh, to help us out, go to Patreon.com slash Pierce Podcast and join us there. Uh, on Patreon. Also, if you haven't been following us on social media, uh, make sure to follow us. We are Pure Soul Podcast on all platforms except for Twitter. We are Pure Soul Cast on Twitter. Also, you can give us a call. We have a phone call today that we're going to be using for our Hustle of the Week, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. And you could always uh, shoot us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. That's Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you haven't caught the YouTube and you're just listening to a podcast, just jump on over, hit that subscribe button. Yeah. I'm telling you, if everybody who listens to the podcast, we would have crazy subscriber numbers right now. They just jumped over. Just jump on and subscribe. You never have to watch our videos. You can continue to listen to the podcast. Just jump on yeah, over. press the pause button right now. Uh, we'll play some uh, background music for you. Do, 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 do. All right. Welcome back. Thank you so much for subscribing to Pure Hustle Podcast on YouTube. Uh, we really appreciate it. It helps us out very much. Right. And then uh, also on top of that, uh, really appreciate all of you uh, that support us on Apple iTunes. If you haven't yet, it's always awesome to read the reviews. It helps other people find our podcast and, and know what our podcast is about. So if you haven't yet, go to Apple iTunes, leave us that five star review and why you love the podcast. So I just wanted to share a couple or three real quick. All right. So a couple or three, a couple or three uh i just can't remember it's been so while, a long time since uh we've done these so we're gonna go with uh becca smiles uh said best podcast for resellers uh, i've tried a different podcast but this one is my absolute fave there's not a bunch of random annoying banter oh i, I think we banter them. we do banter some okay. yeah but good i'm just glad it's not annoying uh, all right that's good that's true uh but tons of knowledgeable info in every episode i really appreciate that they keep it clean as well so I don't mind listening to it around my kids. Great job, you two. Keep it up. And I will say that's one of the things that Mike and I from the beginning were very big on, uh, that we wanted to keep it pure, right? Pure as a podcast. We wanted it to be family friendly. So, you know, wherever you land on things, at least you feel comfortable listening with family, listening with kids. You know, you're not having to go, oh, I better put my headphones on. Yep. Uh, and, you know, we just want to keep it that way. We'll always keep it that way. All right. This comes from a. So underscore flood underscore Nicole, uh, long term listener. 
I rarely even sell it anymore. Oh, man. You should come back. But I still tune in to hear Mike and Orlando's banter. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. We just went from annoying banter to somebody who likes our banter. Yeah. I love their bolos, and I've learned quite a bit from them. Well, well, thank you, Very Nicole. Good. Appreciate yeah. that. And one last one here. Uh, this one is uh, soon-to-be X-Player123. I don't know that means. Uh, I found this entertaining and or helpful. Well, good. I'm glad it's both. I uh, was asked if I found this entertaining and or helpful to leave a five-star review. So here I am. It is both helpful, like health, mm-hmm. not helpful, and entertaining. So I, maybe they meant helpful and autocorrect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe we bring that health. Yeah, we bring health too. We got some, got some uh, nutritional advice every once in a while. We could drop some of that knowledge. <laughs> Well, you could. I can. <laughs> I can tell you great places to eat. Uh, stumbled into this podcast after trying other eBay podcasts. These guys are genuine, insightful, and entertaining. They sell similar items as I do. Five out of five. Nice. Well, thank you, everyone. And we're almost at seven hundred. So if you can jump on over and leave the iTunes review, definitely helpful. Just think about that. Like we haven't talked about the clubs in a while, but you can make it the seven hundred club. Are I you think. Sure. I think. It, I think at this point it would technically be the six hundred club. You made it before there were seven hundred reviews, so you're in the six hundred club. Yeah. I mean, some of you might get stuck in the seven hundred club, and you may or may not. You know. You know. If you know, you know. And you may be like, I don't want to be in the seven hundred club, or you might be like, I want to be in the seven hundred. But either way, come leave us a review. Thank you so much. All right. Our next part is the part uh, everybody looks forward to in this episode. Thing that is most important, and that's the. Uh, the real hustles, putting the uh, the scores. The, when the when the rubber meets the road. Come on, hustlers! It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah, hustle of the week. Uh, our first one, we actually have a uh, someone who called in. I haven't listened to it yet. I saw we got the call. I was at work. I was teaching. So they oh, bring sweet. it up like a bolo, but it's okay. hustle of the week. Nice. So nice. Okay. It, it, it's a great one too. And I think I know who this is, but I can't say for sure. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see. Let's see what we got here. So if, if you're ever wondering how to do this, you can always give us a call 619-738-1170. Are you ready? It's going to like make you log in somewhere else again. <laughs> no, it should, it should play. It should play. Here we go. Nice. Hey, Mike. Hey, Orlando. It's Matt here. Hey, I got a bolo for y'all. Hey, uh, garage selling. I got no musical talent. Did a choir in middle school. They're doing high school. Too cool for that. But I came across a generic, like off-brand Yamaha. It's a Yamaha brand um, saxophone, but it wasn't branded as Yamaha. It was branded as another um, manufacturer. Forgetting the name, but um, for everybody out there who's looking at music equipment, uh, don't be afraid to ask the seller um, if they could talk more about it. Because I actually had the the kids of the seller said that they were selling it for their father who came out. And I was like, Hey, can you tell me more about this? And he told me he wanted $50 for it. And I think even a really poor generic saxophone is worth more than that. And he was saying, this is a really high quality one. This is how everything goes together. This is the pieces you needed. And there's these seals that go around the saxophone keys, I guess, you know, I don't know anything about it. Um, and he goes, those might need to be replaced, but otherwise, um, I think it would probably work. And so with that knowledge, I said, hey, what'd you take doing the Orlando? Hit him with that number. Hit him with $40 from 50 And he said, yeah. And it took me a little bit of research, um, to get online. But I then realized that the brand was an off 
Yamaha brand and it had like pearl inlay keys and everything sold for $499 free show. Holy smoke. So anybody out there, keep your eyes peeled on that music equipment and we'll see you on the next one. See you guys. Nice. Man. So, uh, first of all, thank you so much for dropping the bolo <laughs> like that. Uh, that shows that you're, you're legit. Um, and you said you've got no musical talent or experience, but clearly that that was very musical. Um, <laughs> But man, what an awesome deal. I mean, that goes to show like you don't always need to know about something in order to do well at least once or twice. Like you can get those scores when you don't know. <clears throat> but what that can do too is that can open up the door to you where you're like, man, like I did a whole bunch of research figuring out what this was and what it's worth. Now you know more about saxophones than I do for sure. And you're now going to be able to have that one more thing. Maybe you only find one more saxophone at a, at a garage sale or at a thrift store the rest of your time reselling. Maybe, maybe just one more. Maybe you find a few more. Maybe now you kind of have an idea of what something to throw into a uh, into like a Facebook marketplace, you know, search, pre-search. So it's it's so cool when you find something that you don't know anything about and you end up scoring on it. Love that. Super awesome. Uh, and that's definitely, like you said, like a bolo, something I'll be kind of keeping an eye out for too. And music equipment, it's it's definitely a profitable field. For I have sure. like clarinets that I haven't listed list them man i know they're worth money i want to add something though that matt did that is very valuable that i need to do more of but i've learned this recently that if you pick up something you know it's valuable you and but you really don't know much about it it doesn't hurt after you make the purchase you don't want to ask before the purchase you want to ask after the purchase you know could you tell me a little bit more about this item Mm. right because that's going to help you in the long run because it'll cut down your research Right. Had had Matt never asked that, he would have been totally blind. He would have had to do like a Google image search or something. But if you ask him like, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about this instrument or this board game or whatever? They'll throw in keywords and it's going to cut down your time. And it may even bring up your profit because you are able to, you know, figure out more of what it is and bring more value to yourself. So it's good. Definitely think about that. All right. This next one comes from Matt at Red Shed Gardens on Instagram. Wife saw a post of a friend on Snapchat saying they're getting rid of and throwing out old 80s and 90s toys. Do you have a Snapchat, Mike? No. Well, no we, we actually, we have a Snapchat. We we, we got a, on every social media. We have a Piros podcast Snapchat. <laughs> we do. Snap us. No, anyways, we haven't been there But here's the thing. I never thought about sourcing via Snapchat. I mean, it's one of those things if you just got friends, right? Like, like uh, what is it? Group. Is it group me? Group me is like a like a popular. I haven't even heard of that one. It's just like for friends to like talk back and forth. Oh, each other. I think I used groups. that one time on a trip or something. Yeah, so like like you know if you've got like a group of friends at all, like do something particular. It's almost like a Discord channel. Okay. And okay. Uh, yeah, so it's like Slack. Some kind of yeah, but okay. a little less formal. And so like my wife has like friends from church, like a lot of the ladies from from our church that will occasionally be like, hey, we're getting rid of such and such. Does anybody want one? Right. Like so, it's not like I would source group me, but you know if you're a reseller, you're you're gonna be your eyes are going to be open to any sourcing opportunity. Yeah. So this is great. So uh, went on Snapchat. One of their friends was saying they were getting rid of and throwing out old 80s and 90s toys. Oh, I wish mm. I was there because they smelled and got mildew from storage in the basement. Wife asked if she can get them and picked up three toys Totes and eat <laughs> or toys. I type those as toes. It's toys, man. Okay, so, that toys. would be weird. <laughs> they picked up three toys and, um, uh, Oh, totes, totes, totes. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say three. Man, I didn't even know what I wrote. Come on, Orlando. Three to- three totes and even took the garbage bag uh, they were throwing out. 
There was actually good stuff in the gar- garbage bag, such as Barbies, glowworms, Star Wars items, etc. In the garbage bag, uh, there was also in the pile, actually, in the totes, there was actually good stuff. One of the items in there turned out to be a handheld game. It was a Nintendo game from 19 19- handheld Nintendo game from 1984, which turned out to be a grail. It was a Nintendo Mickey Mouse panorama screen watch and play. Put batteries in it. It actually still worked. Listed it on eBay for $600 plus shipping and sold to someone in Spain for $555 plus shipping. Actually, the the buyer paid $740 for this handheld game. Uh, We'll probably profit over $1,000 from free stuff after a nice cleaning. Yeah, when you can go free to $1,000, I've I've gotten a few free deals, um, like even stuff on the side of the road or someone giving something away. And and yeah, when, when those sell, especially when they're in the several hundred dollars, that's uh-huh. that's the best feeling. Uh, so yeah, what a, this what is a, a good hustle. This a handheld game. And it goes to show that like you've got to, we often talk about like, you know, you can source things, people sell things for cheap because times are hard. But then also remember a lot of times when there's garage sales, people are just wanting to get rid of things that they consider junk, right? And it goes back to that old saying, you know, it's kind of cheesy, but you know, one one man's junk is another man's treasure. One yeah. man's trash is another man's treasure. And that's it's actually true in a lot of ways. And and again, maybe these people, if they knew that this one thing they could have sold on eBay, they might've taken the time to learn how to do eBay so they could have sold it. But a lot of people are like, I don't have the time to go through all this stuff, figure out what's what. It, to me, it's junk, throwing it away. Um, and so, yeah, you never know. Um, keep those, keep your eyes peeled for that. Cause there's, uh, there's lots of, lots of potential and free. All right. Our next one comes from uh, need more shelf space from our discord paid $5 for a box of beauty products at an estate sale. So doing that kind of price per item was about 50 cents for this item that sold uh, for good money. So listed on eBay and sold in less than 12 hours. And it was a Sammy fat hair thickening cream, 5.25 ounces for a hundred and $95. Holy smoke. So from 50 cents, I mean, even just say $5. I mean, even if you were to be like, well, just imagine that nothing else in this box is worth anything. Only this one item was. That's still $5, just $195. And that's one of the things that I've talked about since I've kind of gotten into the cologne world is now I've got my eyes open to different things at garage sales and estate sales. And beauty products are definitely valuable. If you know what you're looking for, especially we had, um, it's like the second episode in a row. We mentioned amazing taste stores, right? Yeah. Um, where, because she was the one that does a lot of the uh, the like beauty stuff, right? Or was that somebody else? No, that was thrifty travel. Ah, thrifty okay. travel. Yeah. So, um, yeah, on we had Instagram. So we had somebody on who who that's what they do is they go to different places where they kind of get like leftover products from America. They go like to the Dominican, they go to the Bahamas, like they Caribbean. Yeah. So places where there's some leftover product that's like excess, that's kind of just been sitting in storage for a long time. And so things that are out of, out of, uh, you know, production here, well, people know what they like. And it's like, Hey, I like this one type of shampoo or this one type of cleaner. My brother used to wear a cologne that was like a $15 cologne back in high school and they stopped making it. And now you go on eBay and this cologne's like $400 and it's a cheapy cologne. But people are like, he's even made the comment. Like if I had more money, I'd buy it for him. But he's made the comment. Like I would, I would give anything because one of his best mm-hmm. friends wore that and his best friend has passed away. And he's like, I'd give anything to have that smell again. And so for some people, it's like, there's such a connection to what they know and knew and it's not produced anymore. And so things like beauty products can be very, very valuable, especially if they're out of production. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's things even now, like there was a certain cologne I was using for a while and it was out of production and it, it was like double the cost, but I was willing to pay for it at some point in time. You know? 
Yep. All right. So what is your hustle of the week? Oh man, mine is so small compared to these. Um, but the reason so it's is my mine, hustle. So it's okay though. The reason it's my hustle is because um, it was just such a small price to something more. I've, I've sold things this you know recently that are more valuable in, in as far as that. But as far as total ROI, I picked up some phone clips and I'm trying to, I can't remember whether it was a thrift store or a garage sale. Like this is how unassuming and unimportant these were. They were just, I, I remember though that they were like two for a dollar. So it was 50 cents each and they were these new in box cell phone clips and it was so cheesy. I can't even believe I picked them up because they've been sitting in like my, my eBay for probably years now at this point. And they're the picture on the cell phone thing. There's their clips that go onto cell phones and the picture is on a flip phone. So that's how you know how old these are. And it's like a, a some kind of a sticky thing that sticks to the back and it has like a carabiner clip on the top where you actually like can clip it onto like your belt buckle or clip it onto something. Okay. Right. I've never seen anybody use something okay, like yeah. this on a phone. And on the bottom, if you push the back, there's a light, like a little LED light. Super cheese. I'm like, why? Who would, uh, when this sold, I was like, why did I even have these? So I had two of them and they sold for 25 bucks. Okay. And I'm like a dollar to 25 bucks. These I'm, as I'm going through my inventory, getting prepared for my move, I'm like, there's certain things I'm looking at and I'm like, I'm going to unlist this and throw it away because it's garbage. I don't know what I was thinking when I bought this thing. And the fact that these were for sure come, come like getting ready for my move. If I'm putting things in boxes and I pulled these out, I would have been like, these are going in the trash. I paid it all for both of them. They're junk. They're never going to sell. And they sold for 25 bucks. So you just, you never know. Um, it's a small sale, but it's one of those things where even I, when I looked it up, I must have seen a decent comp in order to have picked it up. I put it on sale because I think originally like um, I lowered the price down to like twelve fifty or twelve dollars each. Uh, plus there was shipping on them. Uh, but and somebody bought both of them. So for whatever reason, they wanted two of these things. So at some point when I looked them up, there must have been a decent comp because I had them listed for like twenty five bucks each. They definitely weren't going for that, but. You know, it, it ended up working out and I took something that would have been just trash if I would have waited a few more weeks to something that, you know, made $25. Not bad. There you go. There you go. So mine's an interesting one. I, I did an Instagram story and I didn't post it because I find that a lot of people like the big home runs. Right. And this wasn't like a home run, but I was going through local deals. Uh, I think I was on Craigslist and somebody was getting rid of nine bags of plush for 20 bucks. And in these bags, I saw some Build-A-Bear. And if you don't know, Build-A-Bear is a bolo. Like Build-A-Bear plush, you might think it's unique to people, but sometimes it'll be, you know, I don't know, like Star Wars or Tie-Dye or uh, Hello Kitty, whatever it is. Uh, and they're kind of unique. And so they're they're hard to pick up. And so I saw some of these in these bags and it's only 20 bucks. Like, you know, I'm not a big fan of selling plush, but I'll gamble 20 bucks. So... I sent them a message and I said, hey, uh, I can pick up today. And they're like, sure. I show up and it was nine, nine bags of plush. It probably was about, uh, I want to say about 100 pieces for 20 bucks. I don't know. What is that? 50 cents a piece. And, you know, automatically I sold one. It was like a Melissa and Doug unicorn tie dye thing. I don't know. Sold it for like 30 bucks. And then I sold uh, another Build-A-Bear one for 20 bucks, another one for 20 bucks. I found some that are go for about a couple that go for about 80 a piece. So, so far I've made over a hundred dollars. I mean, this was just recent. This was like three weeks ago. So 20 bucks to a hundred dollars. And I still have about 80 plush left. Like you can't beat that. So 
I, you know, for me, it's, it, if it's low cost, I don't mind taking that gamble, uh, as long as I can recoup that money super fast. And now, you know, I may end up donating to, you know, some kind of charity, probably half of them, you know, uh, some kind of, you know, place where kids need blush or whatever it is. But, uh, you know, for now it was, it was pretty profitable. So don't sleep on those local deals. You never know what you'll pick up. All right. Now, here's a deal that you don't want to miss. If you haven't yet uh, bought Bubble Wrap from American Bubble Boy, go to AmericanBubbleBoy.com via our link below. Uh, you know, they still have great prices. It, prices did go up a little bit, but not even the rate of inflation. <laughs> so so you're still winning. You're still saving. And it's free shipping, free next day, free two-day shipping. Uh, you know, there's also local pickup. They have coffee. They have uh, those, uh, I forget what they're called, the Instapacks. Or like if you want really want to protect your items, uh, they're definitely worth investing. So check them out, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Use our link below. Great partnership with them for the last, I don't know how many years it's been. It's been at least three years now. Really? Wow. Yeah, time has flown by. So check them out, AmericanBubbleBoy.com below in our links. Yeah. All right. So what do you think about this one, about having a store? Yes. Do you think that's something that new sellers need? Yeah, so... When you're new, one of the neat things about reselling is you get you get set up and you have whatever it is. I, I don't even remember what it is now. You get like 10 listings, 20 listings, something like that. And as you list, you list a few things. They start like opening up your store or your your account to be able to list more. Like you now have, are, have the ability to list X amount. Mm. And they throw you some deals of like, you know, it's cheaper to list. You have so many free ones. And so for a little while, like you're really able to list a lot of things for, for relatively inexpensive um, they'll quickly, as you sell a few things, you list a few things, they're going to up your ability. So when you first start reselling, your account is a little bit limited on how many items you can sell. Um, cause what they don't want is they don't want somebody who's never sold anything, an account that's never sold anything to open up a store and list a thousand things and people start buying stuff, but it's like a fake store. Like the yeah. person doesn't know how to actually ship those things. So you kind of have to prove yourself. Things open up quickly, but there's this weird there's a weird like a uh, moment as a reseller where you got to figure out like, okay, do I buy a store? Cause you don't need a store to list items. You're paying a certain store price. subscription. Yeah. Store subscription. You, you, you're, you've got certain items you're listing and they, they've got various amounts that they cost, whether or not you're doing it as an auction or buy it now. And um, how many you could add extra things to like increase. You can do, there's various things you can do. And so each listing, the final value fees are going to be based off of whatever the choices you chose. Now, getting a store, you're paying a certain amount up front and there's different store levels, but each store level comes with various perks, right? So that store level that you purchase might come with 250 listings. It might come with 500 listings. It might come with 15. So there's going to be different amounts of listings that you can list before you have to start paying. And there's the weird like bubble moment of like, do I upgrade to a higher store? Should I get a store? Technically, like the amount I'm paying in final value fees right now is actually maybe a little less than the amount I would pay for a store. So maybe I don't pay for a store. And the hard part is when you're thinking like 15, 20, 30 bucks and, and the difference is like a hand, like five, six dollars here and there, you might be like, it's not worth it to get a store. But don't think of the store as costing 15 or 30 or however much the various levels of stores cost. And I, I silly that I don't know this amount, but I don't remember what the beginning stores. Do you remember the starter store costs? No. We have to look it up. Whatever. Whatever it is. <laughs> Sorry. Um we our stores are the higher subscription. So whatever the I'll lower look it up while you talk. Whatever the lower store amounts are, you might think like that that's the amount you might be thinking, like 20 bucks, 30 bucks. But if you're already paying 
15, 20, $30 in, in final value fees, your and listing fees and all of those things, the difference might not actually be that much. You might be talking five, 10, so here's the deal. So you don't want to get the starter store. I would say you just, you should jump to the basic, basic store, store 21 basic store, because it gives you, it gives you more perks. You get a quarter, quarterly coupon. If you do the starter store, you're not going to get the quarterly coupon, yeah. which that, that will help you get some supplies. Uh, and so the basic store is 2195. We don't work for eBay, by the way, <laughs> uh, but you get a thousand free fixed price listings and 25 cents for every item after the thousand. Right. And then you get 250 uh, free auctions in certain categories. So it's definitely worth it to you. Now, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. What I think is the most valuable valuable part of a store is that you're able to run sales. You can send coupons. You have access to Terrapic research. That in itself is worth getting the store. Yep. You save money. You get a coupon. And on top of that, you're able to get higher in the algorithm and sell yourself faster because you're running sales and you're you're sending coupons and you have the research to know should you do free shipping? Should you price your things lower and so on? Now, the, the reality is all those things are definitely worth it, but you still have to figure out like if you're if you're brand new and you're selling or listing five items a month, five items a week, you're only moving a few items a month. Yeah, it may not be worth it. It may not be worth it, right? Because you're going to be paying a couple hundred dollars a year for this store. And if you're making five, six hundred dollars a year on eBay, it's definitely not worth it. But the thing is, at some point, you're going to you're going to continue to grow and you're going to get into that zone of like, is it worth it? As soon as it's it's to the point where one, you're moving more stuff than that, where a couple hundred dollars a year isn't that big of a deal. Definitely do it. And then also, like you like Orlando said, the ability to get the coupon, the ability to run sales, send coupons, uh, get the terror peak. All of those things are they're worth it. Because in the long run, you're going to be able to make more than the couple hundred bucks that you're paying for that store subscription. And it's hard when you think of like the yearly price, it's like, oh man, like a couple hundred dollars a year. Like that sounds like so much, but it's spread out. And these types of things are tax deductible. And you're not wanting to think about taxes when you're first starting out with reselling. But in the grand scheme of things, a couple hundred dollars compared to what it would cost to have a a brick and mortar storefront, it's nothing. Yeah. And eventually you'll reach that. Sweet spot. So, for example, I have, you know, about 3,500 items in my store and I never pay for any listings. I pay $60 a month, but I get up to 10,000 and it's it's gotten better now. You know, again, you got to make sure you it's worth it to you. For me, it's completely worth it because uh, I, I love the sales definitely help me get more sales. So you got to think about that now. This other one we kind of talked about in the last podcast, but we'll bring it back again. If you're new, you may be scared when somebody who has zero feedback sends you an offer or they buy something. And in the beginning, you will get hit with a ton of scammers. Okay. I, yeah, I just, they, they, they target new, new accounts. So don't be discouraged and think like, man, this is terrible. If somebody, here's the main scam that I see new people get hit with. I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, it's all good. One of the, the scams that I, I've seen a lot of new people get hit with. My brother-in-law got hit with this one. I've seen a lot of people is you will have something for best offer and let's say you're selling it for $20 and somebody's going to offer you $30. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. offer you more than you're asking for and you're like, sweet, I'm going to take this offer. Those are always scams. They target new people. They never target. Once you've been selling for a long time and you've got hundreds of reviews, even 10 reviews, you're not getting those anymore. So don't be discouraged about the weird things that happen at first. Yeah, agreed. So building on that, if you don't get scammers, you know, you may get somebody that has zero feedback and you're selling a hundred dollar uh, dollar item and you may be scared. 
as long as they're not doing anything fishy, they just may be somebody who's like, you know, I really wanted that pumpkin blow mold with the LED lights that was sold at Costco. And, and you're the only person that has it. And they just randomly needed this decoration. And so they went on there and that's why they have zero feedback. Right. And in our experience, <laughs> I find that the more people, uh, the more feedback people have, the worse the problems. That's yeah. just my experience. If they're the buyer, if they're a seller, more feedback is a, a positive thing. A middle number of feedback. If someone's got a couple hundred feedback as a buyer, that's never a red flag for me. But yeah, when you're talking about thousands or tens of thousands of feedback, you're more likely to run into issues um, from a buyer. So don't be afraid. Of course, zero is still going to be some yellow flags. There's going to be some caution, but you don't have to be like, this is a scam for sure. It's yeah, not don't, don't get scared off by zero feedback. Yep. It, it may be just fine. Yep. Or just even low. Uh, and then finally is as a reseller, you've got to figure out what works for you. Like, What is your niche? What is your passion? What works in your region? Because a lot of times when you first start out, when I first started out, and there's nothing wrong with kind of learning and getting the, the going through the education of reselling by doing things that maybe it's not your style or not your, your passion, but you're learning how to ship and source and all of those things. But if you want to do this long-term, even as just a hobby, it's got to be something that you know that works for you. And you can't just copy and paste somebody else's methods, somebody else's yeah. strategies, what somebody else is sourcing. When I first started reselling, Orlando was selling a ton of um, a ton of VCRs. And that was kind of one of the things he told me to look out for. So I picked up every VCR. If I walked into a garage sale and they had VCRs, I mean, I looked them up, but I, I had just stacks of VCRs. And then I realized after a little bit, I hate selling VCRs. Mm. It's just not for me. And so you've got to be careful because you can watch a YouTube video. And to be honest, a lot of times I I like to think that at PSL Podcast, we're, you know, we're not just making videos like a, a quick 10 minute video that's just clickbait of like, here's a cool thing to buy and sell that we're just trying to get a 20, 30, 50,000 views. But we're trying to put out long, long form content. So because of that, um, a lot of times YouTube videos, people are, are coming up with things that if you just watch one video on like a certain type of thing to sell and that's all you're going after. You're, you really don't have the full picture of like, was that something that was really selling like a year ago, a couple years ago? Um, is that still a thing? And so you want to take and just copy and paste some something you saw somebody else do. Here are the four brands that I should do. Here's the, the, the way I should do this. And you start to do it and you realize, I don't like this. I'm not good at this. I've messed up on this. I sold some VCRs and then they ended up getting returned because I didn't know how to check them properly. I didn't watch all of the videos on VCRs. I only watched the one that said, pick up this one type of VCR. And I didn't realize that there's ways to fix them and check them. And so whatever the, the situation is, you've got to figure out what works for you. Like Orlando and I can talk about certain brands, certain items are picking up. And I'm, I mean, we're in Southern California. I'm moving to Texas. Things are going to be different. The, the, mm -hmm. when I was in Colorado visiting my mom, I saw a lot different brands the brands i saw like were outdoor year. they're different and i didn't know some of them versus the things i see here and so you can't just watch one youtube video or listen to one podcast and say these are the things i'm going to sell these are the things i'm going to do and a lot of times i'm a firm believer that if you if you did anything for 40 hours a week with the intention of making a living doing it you could probably make a living doing it maybe not right away maybe it takes you years to develop the skills or audience or whatever it is you have to do but if you're like, man, you know what? I, I don't care about VCRs or I don't care about used shoes at all, but I really, really, really love crafts and yarn. Like yarn is my what? thing. Like I love yarn and different types of yarn and yarn from the 60s and yarn. 
if you know yarn and you love crafting, you are probably going to be able to go and find the crafting stuff that's like really sought after in your niche because you know it and you love it and you're probably going to do really, really well there. So if you're trying to sell the things that Mike and Orlando sell, because this is what we talk about on the podcast and you don't care about it and and it's not in your area, you're not going to be successful. Sell the yarn instead, right? Like you've got to find what works for you. You have to really know yarn to be successful. Do you really? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you do. I, I feel like, I mean, maybe you do, but in those, you would be so surprised no matter what hobby you're in. That is true. You could be in that dart throwing. Like if you're like, I, I throw darts, I go to, I go to the bar every weekend and I throw darts and that's what I do. Like, that's my thing. And I, I do competitions. You probably know like, oh yeah. And like in 1978, there was this guy, he threw darts and he was really big and, mm-hmm. and he threw a certain brand of darts. And if you can find those and I find them on eBay all the time, people sell them for like 50 bucks for a set, but I know that because of what they are, I can get them to a collector for $600. And I sell like three of these a year. I flip them and I make like a couple thousand dollars a year just selling like whatever it is. Like if you're into something and you really know it, because every single hobby, every single field people are interested in have collectors, have people who are like historians, have people who are just so fanatical about it. And if you know those things, you're going to do well. I mean, I'm sure Orlando and I have sold so many things way under value price because we oh, just didn't dude. know, Hey, there's a market for this. And there's certain people there, there might only be 10 buyers out there for this item, but if you know how to connect to them, because that's your thing. So all of that to say, don't be somebody else, be yourself, figure out what it is that you know, or you care about. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So hopefully if you're even experienced, hopefully there's something in here that you came across. You're like, you know what? I forgot about that. Or, you know, I didn't even know that. But if you're new, definitely hoping that this episode helped you out. There's so much. I think we're going to make a part two because there's so much other things I was thinking about as we're going through this. That If you're a new seller, you just don't know. And as always, you're welcome to leave us a phone call. Hustle the week. We'd love to play it on the next episode. And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Late. Peace.